This is the Everybody's Talking at Once podcast for December 10th, 2019. Welcome to the Everybody's Talking at Once podcast. My name is Drew Messenger Michaels. I'm really glad you're here. Hello from Kyoto. I am traveling this month, and so I went ahead and recorded some interviews before I left the country. And the one that I'm sharing with you today, I'm real excited about because Zach Barth is back to talk about Molex Sintez, the new Zachtronics game, the new Zach-like, to use the term that Zach himself is more than a little ambivalent about. It's something of a return to form after Zachtronics branched out and did something very different by releasing Eliza, a visual novel that... I would argue, has a lot thematically in common with Zachtronics games, and is a Zachtronics game not only because the same people made it, but in other spiritual ways. But all that being said, as I say to Zach in the interview, if anyone thought anywhere in their fevered minds that Zachtronics was done making what you might think of as canonical Zachtronics games, this should put those fears to rest, while also being a very interesting experiment in how stripped down and how focused a Zachtronics game can be. Zach himself is not 100% happy with it, as you'll hear, but if you've listened to the other interviews that I've done with Zach, you know that he's never 100% happy with what he does, so take that with a grain of salt. Speaking of, the other interviews are not prerequisite to listen to this, but if you do want to listen to them after, or before, or whatever, I would point you toward the episodes where I talked to Zach about Infinifactory, the triptych that, that is made up by episodes 17, 19, and 21, as well as the times that we talked about Opus Magnum and Exapunks in episodes 34 and 36, respectively. And then finally, if you want to hear about Eliza, I spoke with Matthew Sage Burns, the writer and musician behind all of this beautiful madness in episode 64. We mostly talk about Eliza. I'd love to have him back sometime to talk about the rest of Zachtronics games, all of which have great writing and music, which no one talks about, much to my consternation. I mean, I'm talking about it right now, but you know what I mean. Anyway, enjoy. How's it going? Good. I threw some food at my cat, so hopefully he won't just be screaming. <laughs> he just screams sometimes. Is it always hunger, or is it sometimes inexplicable feline need? I don't know. Yeah, no one has <laughs> cats. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well that's fine. If he scre- if he screams, it adds flavor. I there's there's um a running gag almost about like skittering dogs and stuff. Oh, okay. Uh, so yeah, no worries. <laughs> sometimes mine, sometimes the guests, and you know, sometimes they slightly hear each other through the headphones and interact, and it's it's a good time. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, it's it's been really entertaining once or twice. So cool. Thanks for taking the time to do this. You like <laughs> don't do podcasts anymore, as I believe you've mentioned. So it's that I'm, I'm honored that you still do this one. It's the good one. <laughs> yeah, you heard it here first, folks. Uh, yeah, everyone listen to the podcast that, that Zach Barth has called The Good One and only incidentally of any promotional value. <laughs> Two of my favorite <laughs> Yeah. Um, oh, did I say that? Oh. You, you did, but you were talking about podcasts generally. Like you were, you oh, were talking yeah. about the selection, like how you decide whether you're going to do one or not. And it was like, it's not about whether it's going to move units. It's about whether it's going to, you know, feed your, your uh, you know, creative energies or something. 
Yeah, well, because none of them move units. Well, I mean, the ones that move units, they don't have us on. Fair, so. fair. And, and are, yeah, okay. <laughs> well, okay, yeah. so I will ask the most uh, uh, mainstream question that I plan to ask, and then we'll move on to more interesting <laughs> stuff. But but how, uh, if, you know, for those who have not heard of it, what is, and, I'm, and I may pronounce it wrong, Molex Sintez? I actually don't even know how to pronounce it. I checked it's, like a Romanian dictionary, and I, I couldn't 100% verify. It's Russian. Oh, it's right. Okay, gotcha. gotcha. Yeah, the, the Molexent. So I call it Molexentes, but uh, one of the our programmer Keith is like learning Russian. He says the secret to pronouncing Russian words is that it's not what you think it is in English. <laughs> okay, fair enough. So like it's probably like Molexentes, but I don't know. So because um, the the device, so so Molexentes is a, I it's, I guess a, it's a Zach, it's a Zachtronic style puzzle game. It's um, I guess you could call it a programming game. I don't know. It's a Zachtronic style puzzle game. It's a lot like Opus Magnum, except that it has shitty artwork and it's about making drugs. And we made it in a month. <laughs> so, so my, a lot of my questions have to do with what that month was like. Because my my understanding, just looking at the timeline and and your Twitter res- replies, is that you must have like squeezed this in during the process of of making Eliza, or like immediately after. Is that is that correct? It's super complicated. So we we're working on a game now um, that doesn't have a name. It is a game that we haven't talked about, and it's not a puzzle game in the same way that, oh, there goes Zephod. You can hear him in the background. So <laughs> <laughs> Don't mind um, it. That's fine. Yeah. So, so we're working on this game. It's a weird game that is going to come out eventually. Um, we started working on it. Oh, God. When we started working on Eliza. So when we started working on Eliza, we knew that um, being a visual novel, there was going to be a bunch of work for the writer, Matthew. There was going to be a bunch of work for the artists. And there was going to be basically no work for Keith and me, who are the programmers. So we were like, oh, this would be a good time for us to do another game also. And so we started working on this game. This this We can call it. I don't even know if it has a name. So this game that we are working, Untitled Upcoming Zachtronics Game. We started working on that at the same time that we started working on Eliza. And so, like, usually we don't actually get that much time to prototype our games. We just kind of dive in. But untitled upcoming Zachtronics game, we um, we probably, like, prototype gameplay for, like, six months, which is crazy for us. It's, uh, it's a new kind of game. So it was good for us to, to have that space to prototype it. And so, like, while we were prototyping it, like, we'd bounce onto Eliza. Like, I, I coded up most of the gameplay stuff in Eliza, and then Keith did, like, engine updates for it. And, like, we had to, we had to do technical stuff, because we always do. So we would bounce over to Eliza and do some stuff, but then we would bounce back to Untitled Upcoming Zachtronics Game and work on the gameplay. And so... Um, that was probably, I actually don't even remember when we started. So like Eliza came out in like August, we probably started, okay. So we started working on all of these games like last November or whatever. So like a year ago. So we started working on all these games. And so, yeah, so Keith and I were prototyping untitled game. We were all making Eliza. Um, Eliza comes out, uh, in like this August, I think. So a couple months ago, Eliza comes out and then the artists are, are completely done with it and they switch over to working on untitled upcoming Zachtronics game and because they're, they're cranking away on it. And, um, we're kind of in the stage where like, okay, they've figured out what everything's going to look like, but, and we figured out most of what the game is going to be, but we're just like waiting for them to make art. And so we also picked up an intern this summer I guess, like an intern from DigiPen, and he's a programmer. And so now we have even more programmers and like not a lot to program. And so 
Um, I, I was getting kind of antsy because it's been a really long time since I made a programming puzzle game. You know, I, I, I love making pu- these puzzle games. Like, it's, it's sort of a thing that just happens. Um, I have to try to make other types of games, but the puzzle games, like, it just it just works. And so I was like, oh, I want to... I'm, I'm fed up. Like, I'm... Like, sometimes I get, like, really agitated, even though I'm, like, living the indie dream or whatever. It's just like, I got to make a fucking game, you know? <laughs> and so... Um, this is how TIS 100 came out is that we were working on Infinifactory and we were just in like art crunch mode and there was nothing for me to do. And I'm just like, God, like, I feel like I'm not indie anymore. Like I need to make a game like, like a, I need to make a game right now. And so the same thing kind of happened here, which is it's like, okay, we've got like, I really want to make a game. We've got a couple game ideas that we're like, we're probably never going to turn into like a big game. Um, so like maybe I could make it into a small game. And so I, I started working on it. Um, and just trying to figure out, like, the really the pitch was, like, there was, like, more of a story to the original one, which we ended up kind of throwing out. But it was just, like, want to make a game where you make drugs. And I was, like, that's the pitch, obviously, right? So the first Literally. thing is just, like, okay, here's what... And, like, I figured out... Um, I had this idea for a while. I wanted to make this game about making drugs. And, like, maybe, like, making drugs was, like, a metaphor for making video games was sort of the idea. Because um, I, I, I hate making video games, but I keep doing it, you know? And so, like, I, I, was, I just wanted to try to get at, like, the sort of, like, 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 I, I, I don't know. Making games, we talk about that, obviously. So I wanted to get at this kind of, like, nihilism of making video games. And I was like, okay, drugs are a perfect metaphor. And um, so I knew the game was about drugs. So I just looked up a bunch of drug molecules. And I was like, okay, we have to figure out a game system where you can make these drugs, which is like a really weird way to design a puzzle game, which is like, these are what the puzzles look like. What are the rules? Uh, which right. it was it was weird. It didn't work super well. Like, <laughs> we can, spoiler alert, not a good way to make a game. So, um, but I was like, okay, these are the drugs. Like, and originally, like for those period where I was like, oh, should we make these molecules simpler? And Keith was like, no, they're the drugs. They have to be exactly that, right? Like, that's the whole point. And it's like, you're right. Okay, we're gonna make drugs. They're gonna be real drugs. Um, one of the big innovations early on was like originally I was imagining it'd be like space chem maybe originally I was imagining that it was like oh maybe this is like a spiritual successor to space chem and maybe it's like space chem right but then I was like looking at these molecules it's like holy shit like space chem molecules are pretty small like drug molecules are huge they're like these big gnarly organic chemistry mo- uh, molecules and uh, so I was like okay this is not going to work with space chem logic and so one of the early things I figured out is that like you can kind of just ignore the hydrogens right like hydrogen should be there but like the structure of the hydrogens like in a space chem like fake like stick diagram kind of thing like the hydrogens we should just like remove them from that equation and so that's for the the thing in molexentes where like all of the hydrogens they just kind of like they're like little decorators on atoms like <laughs> the position of the hydrogens doesn't matter they're just attached to there's some number of hydrogens attached to a like a, a non-hydrogen atom and this allows you to focus on like the structure of the rest of the molecule and then like an organic like compounds like everything just has like like tons too many hydrogens attached to it and so basically like there's going to be some number of bonds like between like these core atoms like carbons and oxygens and stuff and then everything is just like fully saturated with hydrogens and so um like that's how the molecules work in real life and so we built a game mechanic around that um and then we're like okay so what's the game like now that we know that this is how the molecules are represented and then we like tried a bunch of things and tried to figure out like a decent game that was actually interesting to like play and optimize um and we we came up with like a, the system that's in the game now where there's like a couple like little experiments hidden in there like one of the things that's uh, true about Molexentes and not our other games is that you can pick whatever input like there's a set of inputs you can use and like it's the set that is carried through the entire game and on every puzzle you can pick whichever ones you want 
Yeah, and usually, which is exactly that's usually the only thing that sort of isn't open ended in a Zachary. Exactly. Game. Yeah. Usually, like we, yeah, we give you lots of space and lots of tools, but we say like you have exactly these inputs, and um, so this is the first time that we ever like experimented with that before. And um, did that come kind of naturally out of using real chemistry or at least real chemicals? Because I know that's something you've always sort of steered away from. And when people have said, you know, why don't you make a game about thing I just wikied tonight or whatever, you say that like it's more interesting, generally speaking, to start from your word would be bullshit, right? Like like something that is oh, not yeah, necessarily yeah. based in real science too hard. This is like probably the closest you've come, at least in recent memory, to using something approximating real science or the real world or na- or natural properties of it. It's, yeah, so, it's, yeah, it's pretty close. It's it's still pretty fake. There's, sure, <laughs> it's not real chemistry. Very much, obviously. I've seen but, chemists uh, arguing with you on Twitter actually about like the, my yeah, solution God. should work, and then I, mm-hmm. I it seems like you usually just end up saying like, well, if that if there's a like like a gameplay interesting reason why it should work, then email me because I'd like to make the game better. But you know, yeah, it's I, I'm yeah. sure that's a little an, uh, you know an odd thing to to have to deal with. Yeah, it's it's been weird for sure. Um, yeah, yeah. The the being able to choose a bunch of inputs was really like. There's kind of like, like, there's a lot of, it's hard to pin down, like, why a design decision gets made. But, like, one of the big, er- like, reasons why is that, okay, we've got all these molecules. They have to be the puzzles. And it's like, wow, these are really complicated. Like, the, the inputs are going to have to be, like, complicated and generous. And, like, because, like, if you had to actually, like, build all of these things out of, like, single atoms, that would be crazy, right? Like, all the puzzles would be so hard. And, like, oh. we didn't want to make a game that was, like, staggeringly difficult, right? And it's like, we wanted something that was, like, accessible and then optimizable, which was sort of like the Opus Magnum and Exapunks formula. Yeah, so we're like, totally. okay. And so, um, so I think that really synergized really naturally with the idea. Somehow I started looking, you know, I did a whole bunch of research about drugs. And um, one of the things that comes up, obviously, is, like, drug precursors, right? Like, everybody knows that you use Sudafed to make meth. But, like, what does that mean, right? Why? And so... Um, so, so I, instead of obviously this game isn't about real drug chemical reactions, but like trying to get at something that evokes that it's like, okay, what are the most commonly available and manufactured industrial chemicals? And so I like literally like pulled up lists on the internet of like, what are the most commonly manufactured industrial chemicals? And those are the precursors in the first campaign of the game, right? Is that they're all like really commonly available chemicals for like, you know, some of them are used for making plastics and some of them are used for like, there's a lot of nitrogen compounds that are manufactured for fertilizer and stuff so it's just like okay those are your inputs because they're like you take industrial chemicals and make drugs and that like that that quickly became like the the crux of the game right and so that kind of naturally led to like okay if you're if you've got all these chemicals that you're picking and choosing from like what if you could just like i had this vision of like like you're just like scrolling through like a catalog of chemicals, like looking for what to buy. It's just like mm, formaldehyde, like that'll do. And then you like order up like, you know, 50 gallons of formaldehyde and have it shipped to your your small apartment in Romania. And uh, yeah. And so just that idea of like shopping for chemicals to build drugs out of like I wanted to hit that from like an emotional point. Totally. That's the way that it's least like the real world and its conceit is that you have, you know, like home equipment, presumably, or, or you know, or consumer yes. equipment. That the lets you, has. Exactly. <laughs> that lets you break stuff down on a molecular level, which people who cook meth do not have that luxury, uh, which Correct. is why they need Sudafed and they can't exactly. just get a little bit more specific than that. So it's it's very sort of low level in a, in a literal sense. It looks and feels 
uh, you know, like Opus Magnum by way of TIS 100, maybe or something. It plays nothing exactly. like TIS 100, but that's sort of the aesthetic. So it's like immediately uh, uh, grokable what you're supposed to be doing, for lack of a better word. But I, I have noticed two interesting things that differentiate it from like the way people have reacted to other Zactronics games. One being, I see a lot of like YouTube videos of people being utterly confused by the first level. Like this is a genre of YouTube video that I actually am fascinated by: is people struggling <laughs> to understand the first level of a Zactronics game, and then like that moment of breakthrough is like I get why people watch other people play video games all day there's i mean maybe it's just because the game's new but there seem to be a lot of those and then when they break through i notice a lot of people saying this seems like it has a more obvious optimal solution than your average zatronics game like people get to a number of cycles they're happy with more quickly when usually like the optimizing is is hard mode i'm not even yeah. sure if that's true i've just noticed no. people thinking <laughs> it. yeah i mean yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so I'll a lot of people are like, oh, this game's so easy. I've made a really great solution, like, really easily. It's like, no, like, that solution sucks. <laughs> you just can't imagine what a good one looks like. Yeah, yeah. I, I was talking about with this with Keith today. It's just that, like, what's the difference between Opus Magnum and, and Malexentez? Because one of them is a hit and one of them is not. And Malexentez is not. And, and, like, why is that? Like, is it that, like, I, I guess the question was, like, is, is Malexentez too easy? Right. And it's like, no, like Opus Magnum was actually really easy to beat puzzles, too. And so Opus the answer Magnum I... might be the easiest electronics game, like overall. Is that a hot yeah. take? I don't know. But yeah. oh, I don't know. It's easy. It's, it's you know, it's roughly it's easy. And Malik's and Tez is also pretty easy just to merely solve a puzzle. Right. Which is really what we're talking about here. Right. Is how, you know, just to merely solve a puzzle to move on to the next one, because that's like the, the minimum task you have to complete to continue playing the game like semantically you know you have to be able to proceed so yeah it's definitely they're both easy i I think the difference is that while they're both while in both of them it's easy to get to an optimal solution um like the 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 easy solutions in opus magnum are way more interesting looking Mm -hmm. and like physically followable like they just make they're more intuitive like to the player and to viewers um and they're just sort of more interesting probably but also, like the ones in like like an in like a like a bad solution in Opus Magnum looks inefficient. Like a bad solution in Malexentez looks actually a lot like a good solution in Malexentez. Sure. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's I, just a lot of atoms flying around and like little thingies going back and forth, and like it's it's hard to tell. Like you know, especially when you don't have to move anything. Like there's the the basic solution for a Malexentez puzzle is that you have all of your inputs placed so that it almost looks like your output. And then you just do like a few little things to it to make it into the output. And so it looks like because you're doing like a few, like only a few little things to fix it up, it looks like you're you're doing a very good job. But it's like, well, actually like there's people who are doing it way faster by like just like just building like crazier things than you can imagine. Or there's people who've done it with way fewer parts, but like they don't look better necessarily and yeah, so yeah yeah yeah. P- part of that i think is the fact that you're dealing with a a, a much more bounded space in malek than you are in opus but we're like well just the inputs right being yeah, able to sure. place all the inputs in the shape of your output really makes it look like you, you nailed it yeah totally, totally well that's i think the when people say oh i get to the elegant solution so quickly this game's too easy or, or however they phrase it it may be one of those like uh gamer for lack of a better word insults that are actually like hiding a compliment like like not that they're attempting to be mean but that they like can't think of it positively they have to think of it negatively somewhere deep in their souls because what they're really saying is this game lets me come up with solutions that i think look elegant easily which is like a good thing (laughs) at least now i think it's a bad thing 
Is it? I, I yeah, because like you, you when you make you, you kind of need to be punished for making a bad solution, <laughs> right? Like punished sure. in a good way that makes you aspire to keep playing, right? People yeah, solve these puzzles, they're like, yeah, nailed it, and it's like, no, you didn't nail it, and you need to you need to know you didn't nail it, right? And like the histograms help with that a little bit, but I think like Opus Magnum has this beauty where like you know you didn't nail it because it looks like it's kludgy, you know? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And, and there can kludgy. be there like Opus Magnum solutions that are not optimized can almost be like like visual comedy. Like, because they are so, uh-huh. like, they, they swing in these ridiculous wide arcs and things like that. Yeah. yeah I think exactly. you're right that you have to, it takes some inside baseball to know a good yeah. Molex and Test solution from a bad one on site, especially if you haven't played the game. Like, even if you haven't played Opus Magnum, you see, like, giant swings and whatever, and then you see a very optimized one. You can tell the difference as a as a lay person, right? Yeah, exactly. So it's so it's like is the question is is the game too easy or is it or is it a question of you know it's the quality bad. of gifts that it pretty well <laughs> or is it bad well you say that about all your games though for the record yeah that's true yeah yeah definitely yeah yeah but but so like is it a, is it a question of of difficulty or is it a question of the 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 tastiness of the gifts that it produces or are those things even maybe separable in Zachtronics games I don't know maybe there's a direct relationship of some kind I I think it's like a deeper flaw. Which is just that it's like the the gifts aren't tasty because the game's not tasty enough, <laughs> right? And sure. I, I think that really is the thing. Like the way when, when we talk about stuff in the office, it really is just about like, like like appeal, right? Like mm-hmm. physical appeal, like 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 base animal appeal of the game is like super important. And you, like you said before, you have to make a game that people can't not play. Exactly. And like Malexitez is not bad, right? We did not do the sexy pass on it to make sure it was sexy enough to like attract people from the screenshots. Like we did a little bit of that, right? Like I find the black and white graphics to be intriguing. Some people are just like, when are you going to put art in the game? Oh no. You know, oh, oh God. my God, there's a whole Steam thread where people are like, this game is an early access, which it's not anymore. But when it was, they're like, this game is an early access. They're going to, I think they're going to replace this art with real art before it comes out. Mm. And it's like, what? Where did you get that idea? I can only like, assume no, this is what well, it looks like. They certainly didn't get that idea from other Zachtronics games that have been in early access, where you sh- you ship them, you know, not quite content complete because you tend to add more, but you sh- you yeah. the game is done by by a reasonable measure when you put it in that form. So that's like a point that will get lost immediately to like the like tears in the rain or whatever, you know, like nobody will <laughs> like as soon as early access is over, no one will remember what early access was like. You know, but people do know that we have a game called Opus Magnum out that looks a lot better. And, they, you know, so they'll look and say, like, oh, Opus Magnum looks really good. Like, that, surely this game will look like that by the time it's done, too. And it's like, no, like but a lot of people really don't remember, like some some like some of our fans know what early act previous early accesses were like, but it is not like widespread industry, you know. Sure. Like not every game we haven't like penetrated the minds of every gamer. They, <laughs> we, we still have to explain ourselves every time. Right. Well, well, and even among those who are very, very Zachtronic faithful, I think if they play it in early access a bit, like maybe not to completion, they just like, oh, this is cool. I'll play, you know, and then they finish it when it's like done, done, out, out, whatever you want to call it. To them, it's just more content got added. It's not necessarily mm-hmm. that like fundamental things changed in a lot of cases. Like I think the the details do sometimes change, but those are details that a select few are invested in probably. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So another obvious difference, though, between this game and let's say Opus Magnum is just that the story is way more sort of scant and impressionistic, right? Like that's that's got to factor into your thinking a little as far as the cultural stickiness of it, right? Because like Opus Magnum, like the world that it takes place in is definitely a huge part of why it resonated with people, I think. Like the gameplay is amazing. Don't get me wrong. And I do think, you know, if if I may say so, I do think the gameplay is maybe better in Opus Magnum than in this. But that's not the only difference between the two games. 
Yeah, it's appealing and better, which is <laughs> right. You you kind of need all of the things, right? And and Malexant has has very few of the things. Um, yeah, I I agree. I mean, like, so I spent a month on it, and Keith spent a month on it, and I gave everybody else on the team a week to contribute to the game. And so, <laughs> so the artists got a week to contribute to the game each. Uh, one of them made all the solitaire look really good because obviously that needed art. Clearly. Um, and then the other one made the steam art and did a little bit of minor touch-ups like on the in-game interface. Um, and then uh, Matthew in one week made the music and the story. <laughs> the music, which is one single ambient track. It's a nine, yeah, it's a 90-minute ambient track that was like, he basically like procedurally generated a bunch of because he had like some plugin for his music software that like procedurally generates like weird beats. And so he generated a bunch of those and then he manually stitched them together. So they fade between each other. And then he went in and like sprinkled some melodies in. So there's these sort of haunting melodies that come and go. And they're like they're, those are like added in to add like little melodic treats. But like it's largely a procedurally generated block of 90 minutes of just like. <laughs> you know, ominous tones. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. And then the story is like a similar thing. It's like, it's really straightforward. It's almost more like, like it's, it's like borderline poetry or whatever. It's you the know, 90 minute ambient track of, of, of narrative. Um, yeah, exactly. Which is and not it's, to say it's procedurally generated. It is written by a human, but yeah, no, it is, yeah. it is more like poetic illusion than it is. Like the goal yeah. is, the goal is not to pick apart a narrative from clues. The point is just to get an impression and, and have a mood exactly. get set. And that was that was, I think, the thing we, we, we knew that, like, we couldn't do that much in a month. Right. So it's like, well, we can't, like, go all out and, like, do all these things. We can't, like, literally express all of these things. But we could go for, like, a mood. And everything in the game is, like, fo laser focused on achieving a mood. Right. Which is the music. The sound. Oh, he did the sound effects, too, in that week, <laughs> which That's... are like old like printer sound effects like I, I love i actually really love the sound design in this game which is crazy because like it was such a quick hasty thing but i i really like the sound design the story the like the austere art the like the like calling them precursors and not inputs and mm -hmm. making drugs it's all laser focused on like just this kind of like kind of dark vibe yeah so was was Ma matthew then less involved than he would normally be in sort of the constructions of puzzles i guess so right because the puzzles are just chemical mm -hmm. compounds like exactly yeah, yeah the story has nothing the story has no connection to the puzzles right they're just drugs. and we talked about that very briefly early on it's like do we want it to be like ah like someone wanted amphetamines i will make them amphetamines it's just <laughs> like no that's going to be ridiculous like if you talk about people doing drugs you're going to sound like a like a 14 year old or like a cop yeah one of the two yeah exactly yeah and so <laughs> yeah so like we we couldn't really talk about doing drugs and we didn't really want to that wasn't the point right it was about the person making them Right. And just sort of like th this person who's making this product that's consumed for, you know, for entertainment purposes. And like, what does it even mean? You know, that was that was sort of the original idea. It ended up turning into something a little different just so it could be like coherent. Sure. Well, since you took it back there, let, let's talk about games as drugs, because you've like one thing you've said repeatedly when we've talked about other games is that these are things you can't not make in the same way you want to make things people can't not play. Like you just you make them because it is natural to you to make them. And yes. that sort of exists outside, like you, I, th I think you believe in what you make, and I think you should, because I think it's good, but I think your compulsion to make it and make it the way it is exists outside of the question of whether it's good or whether there's moral hazard or whether, in, in your words from yeah. a few episodes back, whether you're building Skinner boxes, you know, of just, if, you know, maybe artisanal small batch Skinner boxes, but even so, right? <laughs> so, like, is that the sense in which you think about, like, a connection between drugs and games? 
Yeah, I, that's, that's pretty much it, right? I mean, like, games are for entertainment purposes, largely. Um, they are designed, to, like, they exploit the way people's brains work, especially when they're good. Um, and they're, uh, as somebody who makes, I, I have, like, I, I have I have huge mood swings with how I look at the world, but um, I, I can only speak for myself. I don't know. But um, one of the things I feel often is a sort of, like, uh, uh, just sort of nihilism about like I make games, you know, and it's like I make games that very few people play. I make games that will be forgotten. I make, you know, and even even like the best game is still just a game, right? Like it's a distraction. Like I, well, at my best, I make things to distract people from real life. Right. And then I can be like, oh, well, like we all need distraction. Right. Like, the, you know, we've done all these things industrially to make it so we have more free time, but we haven't actually invented any new ways to spend free time that are meaningful. And like maybe meaning is just like constructed. Anyway. So like maybe it's a good thing that we have games and someone needs to make entertainment. Right. But it's like <laughs> I, I feel like like in our this like we live in like a period of just like too much entertainment right like people say that like unironically that it's just like there's too much television right like it's literally just like this bin like like a buff like a gross like like a fucking like old country buffet <laughs> of like entertain like not a good buffet like a like an old country buffet of like entertainment and it's just like too much entertainment and we're still making like more and more and more and it's just like what is the fucking point? So, you know, like sometimes that's how I feel. But then like the flip side is it's just like, I have to make games. Like I literally can't stop making games. I, I fantasize about quitting and like doing like a different kind of job, like being a teacher or something. And it's like, fuck, no, I have to make games. <laughs> like as soon as I've, I've, I've stopped making games for like short periods of time, like as I've worked at Valve and other places. And, and it's like, I need to make games. Like within six months of not making games, I will like have to make games. Yeah, your story is probably not atypical in that you joined Valve and then stopped making games. But anyway, yeah, yeah, we've, yeah. we've talked a little bit about that period, or at least as much as you can talk about, or as much as I guess there is to talk about, because that was the yeah. period where you weren't making games. You weren't doing the thing that you feel this yeah. like, need to do. Yeah, right. And that's, yeah, that's so, so like, like I, on one hand, like part of me believes that it's bullshit and I'm wasting my time. And the other part of me is just like, I got to do this, you know? And it's just like, like you said about the moral hazard. I mean, this is the thing we talk about, like in every one of our games, it's just like, like engineers just compulsively do things regardless of whether we're better off for it or not. Right. And it's not even a judgment at this point. Right. Cause it's just like, you gotta, like, that's just how life is. Right. Like people will invent terrible things and that's what Eliza's about. Not that I think even Eliza is saying that specifically it's a terrible thing. Like I feel like we do a balanced job and everybody just reads into any use of any kind of technology as being a dystopia. But like, you know, like the whole point is that the people who are making it are making it regardless of if it's good or bad or good for some people and bad for other people. Right. Like it's it, it's complicated. You know, like there's a lot of stuff there. But that's what like a lot of our games are about on like a story basis. Like that's what Opus Magnum is about, too. We've had exactly one person on Twitter recognize that Opus Magnum is about like the responsibility of like what programmers do and why and, and stuff. And it's the exact same thing. Like Anateus as a character, like he is compelled to do alchemy. And we're able to really get at it better, I think, in Opus Magnum, because we have way more room to tell the story. And it's just like, why do you do all of this stuff? And he's just like, I have to do alchemy. Mm -hmm. And he just has to, right? And it's it's the same thing. And that's really like how I feel about games, right? And so I wanted to I wanted to make this game about somebody who's just like mad and like has this like fuck you attitude towards the world that's just like, I'm gonna fucking make these things, you know? And it's just like 
look at me, you know, like I'm making these things like they don't like, I don't know. So like, I didn't like, I didn't write the story and I didn't really tell Matthew what to do, but like he made something that like, it's kind of how I feel, right? Like I'm an angry man who just is making these games, you know, like it's, it's, it's super juvenile, but like sometimes I feel juvenile. I don't know. That's interesting though. So like you, you talk about, I thought you were going to say something very different than what you said. I thought you were going to say you were oscillating between feeling like what you do doesn't matter and feeling like it does. But that you're saying the other pole isn't even feeling like it matters. It's just feeling like you have to. So it, it, it doesn't matter. Yeah, whether it matters. I'm oscillating about whether I care if it matters or not. I right. See. I know. I know it doesn't like <laughs> it's just I mean, whether in, that matters. Right. In like, like a cosmic sense, you mean. But like, it, I mean, yeah. like you, you must think that it matters a little because I mean, like you have, for example, the this academics initiative where you, you put these games in schools. Those are not being presented to kids that's just a harm as reduction the, thing like huh okay that's an interesting like, way to think about my, it, sure. like 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 we're, we're selling shit to people and like we used to sell games to schools and it's just like god we're stealing money from children like <laughs> like having we, we, we the reason we didn't go out of business after ironclad tactics is because we made a bunch of money like making educational games sure. and like I, I i increasingly like got like 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 physically like upset like like ill about this idea of making these educational games and i couldn't figure out why and like the best i've got now is just that it's like no like it was a pointless endeavor that like really drained money away from like like taxpayer money it directed like misdirected taxpayer money towards making like dumb games that the kids didn't need and like weren't even good like they were bad games and they were bad for education and it was just like a colossal amount of money that was ultimately coming from taxpayers right and it's just like god like selling to stuff to schools is just like it's it's a crime, you know. Like, it becomes I don't know. a racket I, almost instantly. But but yeah. my, my point, like, which is totally fair, which is why you give them away. But when you give them away, it redounds to the good. So there must be something nutritious in them. There's it, it's they're not just distractions or skinner boxes. I, at I, the end of the I day, mean, I, th- I think they are. They're distractions. But I think that school is largely bullshit, and so maybe distractions from school is a good thing, I mean, right? Okay. Like exposing yeah. kids to things that isn't just curriculum. Sure. sure. And like we talked about I this really before, know. I think that or was it on the podcast or in person? It's it's all starting to blend because this is something I feel very strongly about as well. But yeah, I mean, school, especially K through twelve, is built to train you to work in one of Henry Ford's factories. It's not really. It's not about your soul. Oh God, we're even past that point. You couldn't even get a job at a car factory. Like, I, <laughs> they don't train you to work in car factories anymore. Well, because the, just... because the the kinds of jobs that it's training you for don't exist anymore, right? We haven't updated it oh, since uh, that yeah. was a pressing it's, social concern. I guess is what it's I mean. Its own weird thing. Yeah, I don't even. That's that's too big to get into. No, yeah, I feel like even even giving games to schools is just like this narcissistic thing, right? Like this hope that like oh, like maybe these will be valid. Like I I don't even think I I really don't even. I don't know. I mean, like, God, I, like, I, I don't know if they're useful or not. That's up to the teachers. I know that when I was a kid, I liked playing educational video games because they were video games and I was in school. And you were allowed right? to play them. And it was maybe and I was allowed to play them. Yeah. And I liked that kind of game because they were like the they got at this thing that I was interested in and now make games about, which is like I like solving problems right? I like mechanical things, right? There's a lot of stuff that was in educational games from the 90s. Um, and I, and I like, I make it like, well, the best compliment I've gotten uh, about any game I've ever made was uh, Nina Freeman, who's another game designer, who said that Opus Magnum reminded her of educational games from the 90s. Mm. Because of just like the way it all kind of comes together. And it's just got this like weird, like just the, the way, just like the whole, it was like this weird, like holistic thing, just like the interfaces and like the way the gameplay works. And it just feels like an educational game from the 90s. And it's like, oh, that's it. Like that totally, like there was a certain kind of game in that period, which is like this kind of like 
puzzly, kind of on rails, kind of storytelling-ish, like kind of they often have like kind of physical interfaces. And like that, that is like a large aspect of like how our design philosophy works. And so I think that, yeah, like maybe, sure, like maybe somebody will get value out of our games. I've never heard from any kids who've played our games in school. So I don't even think anybody's playing them, to be honest. But at least we're not getting money. Like at least nobody's like funneling money out of school systems so that kids cannot play our games, right? Or not understand them. So you, like, mean, you don't even mean harm reduction. You mean like you mean like penance. You mean like because you. I, well, no, it's really like the I don't, yeah, just the the fact that at least we're not like stealing money from schools. I totally right? understand. Like, yeah, yeah, no, I, I was, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's, that's we're fair. the ones doing the harm. If that wasn't clear. <laughs> no, I, I hear what you're saying. No, no, I, I meant yeah. penance like for the period of of straight up educational games since you've you've soured on the the very oh, notion. That was- a small amount of money and to be i mean i don't know i don't feel bad about that i mean it kept us in business right yeah, like yeah. I, I i know better than to feel bad for you can't you can't do something that you benefit from and then like feel bad about it yeah well i mean right? within within the space of, of indie developers you don't have to look too far to find someone who like actually really loves one of the the educational games that existed we had alan dang on uh not too long ago oh yeah and, yeah i mean That's like right. he, he will defend to the death several of the, the educational games that you guys made so, yeah. Too bad know. nobody fucking played them. Well, and some of them can't be played because they're like an no, IP hell, right? They can all be played now. Really? They're in a different kind of hell, which is free to play hell. Mm, uh, I did not. I did not realize. There's like some weird company that bought all the rights to them, and now like they're actually all on the app store now. But like a lot of them are sort of behind like a subscription where you have to like like a monthly subscription to like all the all the educational games in their catalog, which like. No, who's gonna buy that i don't even it's is it's that like, aimed it's, at schools are they trying to do no, the it's thing aimed at parents oh i see like i'm gonna i'm gonna get gotcha 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 it's gonna be a, a steady stream of educational stuff for the ipad for my kid is the idea yeah and i think specifically they try to get it so the kid signs up and then they the parent forgets that they've signed up for it and they just get billed on repeat and from like now until the end of time so like, that, I think that, that model that model just needs a lot of games and almost doesn't care what they are to a certain extent I guess, or just one game. I don't even know, right? Yeah, that's like wild. that's that's beyond anything I know. And then like we totally like, yeah, I don't know. They're just uh, you just had to let it go. <laughs> yeah, totally. No, and I, I did not mean to bring up a sore spot. I did no, not realize no. that they no, had resurfaced in that in that form. It's not even a bad thing. It's just like I I just don't even know what to think about it. Like I think I think it would be better if they were just free. Mm-hmm. But like I guess this is better than literally no one being able to play them. But like no one's gonna play. I don't know. You just gotta let it go. <laughs> now someone can. Yeah, yeah. I see. What I guess. No yeah. one's going to. <laughs> They're not even that good. I don't even. Yeah. So is this, I mean, I'll, I'll look it up and I'll, I mean, <laughs> I'll link to it or not according to your preference, but is it just those games or are they mixed in with a bunch of other educational games that this company like bought in bulk? Is it just the, you the... can download the games individually. The okay, games are gotcha, all downloaded gotcha. individually. And I think like each one of them has like the first level is free. And then they sort of like put in a paywall where you have to subscribe to get further in the game. Okay. They like hacked it into it. Most of them, I think you can play like the first level which is more than you could back in the day. So that's cool. Okay. So like for Zactrologists, at least, you know, you can get a sample of each without necessarily having to pay. Yeah. And that's, that's, that redounds to the good probably. Right. Yeah. Like yeah. they're, they're linked to in like the Zach, like the digital version of Zach, like, which okay, has cool. links to like all of our old games in it and stuff. Nice. Very nice. Which I wish. And I will link to that as well. So yeah, that's the real, that's the real cool thing. <laughs> yeah, totally. No, it's a very, very cool thing for anyone who hasn't seen it. Um, yeah. The Zach like book, which, which we talked, I think we talked about a little bit the last time, you were on, but it was like in Probably. progress at the time. 
Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that would have been that would, the timing would have been right. It's it, it walks through your design process. You get to see games, hypothetical, real, and everything in between that you've designed like like since being a tiny child. It's it's really yeah. neat. it's very very. Cool. And there's a there's a you can buy a physical copy for me. I still have some left, but we also just have a free PDF on Steam, which includes a bunch of games with it. So you can read the book and you can play the games that are pictured in the book. It's very very cool. So. I'm struck by this crazy production schedule. If you could, if <laughs> that's the proper term that you that you kept yeah. to make Molex and Tez, right? Because you're doing the thing that that studios do, which is they they like split up multiple projects. But most of the studios that do that have like an A team and a B team or something. Like they're they're dividing the work. They're not just saying like everyone oh, stop yeah. what you're doing for a week and we're gonna make something else crazy. Uh, I guess I guess it's like double fine. Would always do those like uh, amnesia Fortnite things where they would just stop what they were doing and everyone would prototype for two weeks or something like that, right? Yeah, but- it's yeah, it's like that, but not that stupid. I don't know. <laughs> That's like we don't put a name on it because we're not trying to pat ourselves on the back totally totally well and also you're you're not ending up with a prototype you ended up with with a game like that's what i find yeah, really you know like game. it's well it's not my favorite zachtronics game but it's i'm totally fascinated by the focus of it and the fact that like so much of what you do as a studio you you as a studio not you as zach the person like is is about controlling scope in really smart ways like figuring out what yeah. you can make and how to not work on it for eight years without releasing it and then making it so this just seems like this like hyper condensed you know in a syringe version of that and yeah, it's, totally. it's impressive well so the fun thing is that when we so keith and i stepped away from unannounced upcoming zyktronics game to work on Molexentez. And when we did step away, there were some aspects of it that we'd like kind of solve, but we weren't super happy about the solution. But we'd pretty much resigned ourselves to the fact that we were just going to have to ship this like shitty version or whatever. And when we came back from like our, our month working on Alexantez, I was just like, you know what? I don't like the way that thing works. And then like we came up with like a bunch of alternatives to it. And one of them ended up being way better. And so it was just like literally just stepping away for a month. Like we solved the problem when we came back hmm. and it was like we both of us were like at like fucking like end of our wits like we're like this is just gonna suck you know and just magically after stepping away from it for months to work on another project we solved it and like uh, that's cool i don't <laughs> that was that. not yeah, i mean you, you probably couldn't reliably do that you know what i mean like it's not a given that that would happen but it is a, a pretty strong I don't know, anti yeah. anti tunnel vision argument, anti crunch argument, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, like it's exactly and anti traditional crunch anyway, where it's like, yeah, we already have our marching orders, they're unalterable. Let's just everyone all oh, hands yeah. on deck, sleep at your desk, whatever. You know, yeah. that's usually not what makes creativity flourish, I don't think. Yeah. So I, I read this book recently. It's from like twenty ten or twenty twelve. It's called Anti Fragile. Mm. Uh, I've been telling everybody about it because yeah. I'm annoying. Not familiar but- with this. It's by the guy who wrote the book about like black swan theory, hmm. which is that like the stuff that matters can't be predicted. So like trying to assign like probabilistic risks to stuff is pointless because the thing that's going to blind blindside you and like the thing that's going to ruin your day, you can't even see it coming. Right. Or the yeah, thing yeah. that's going to make you rich, you can't even see it coming. Right. And so you need to like, you know, like ex- you basically you need to pursue like low risk, high reward strategies. This is what leads to all the stupid venture capital shit you see nowadays is like low risk, high reward uh, like opportunities that like don't you don't lose a lot by taking a bunch of them, but like one of them, if it like if unforeseeably one of them hits it big, you'll you'll be super rich and it'll make up for all your small investments. So that guy, uh, Nassim Nicholas Taleb, is the author. So we wrote this book after that called Anti Fragile, which is about um, like the, the the quick version of it is like okay, so um, like uh, a, a delicate china cup when you drop it, it breaks. That's fragile, right? Mm-hmm. So what is what is the opposite of something that is fragile? 
uh, I mean, tr- like you would you would instinctively say a cup that doesn't break when you drop it. Something exactly. Hearty. So something that's something that doesn't break when you drop it. But that's actually not the opposite. The opposite of something that is fragile that breaks when you drop it would be something that gets stronger when you drop it. Mm, right. Yeah, and so. You. Like you've defined the thing that's in between, which is just something that is robust, right? And so he defines the term anti-fragile for things that uh, the more you abuse them, the stronger they get, right? Uh, like Donald Trump, right? Sure. Is that, you know, not <laughs> sure. only was he a black swan and that we couldn't see him coming, and it was literally the thing everybody said wasn't going to happen, but like he can create chaos and become stronger off of it while other people can't handle it, right? And so so that's what anti-fragility is about. Uh, like evolution is anti-fragile, right? Like it, it kills off things left and right, and then you end up with stuff that's stronger. Um, so it's a book that's all about this concept and sort of all the places you can take it and like philosophy and uh, economics and stuff. He's a, an economist turned philosopher or whatever. He's a dick. Like that's, that's one of the, if you look up reviews of the book on Amazon, like there'll be lots of people who hate it because he's a dick and you'll be lots, see lots of people who liked it because it changed their lives, but also he's a dick. <laughs> I, I haven't read many books where like he calls out people by name and says that they're like frauds and liars and shit. He's, he's crazy. But, um, but it was, I don't know, it was a, it was a really interesting book and it, it really, it has had an effect on, on my thinking certainly. And so, um, uh, one of the, the big things with this is that like, you know, per, so there, there's, he, he's, I mean, the book is crazy. So I don't even, one of the things in the book is that like, basically maybe you're better off making random decisions than doing what you think you should do. Right. And that like the, the purpose in his view, like the purpose of like oracles in ancient Greece was that not that they would tell you what the future was going to be. Uh, they would just tell you what to do or they would tell you to do something. Right. And that, that acts as a sort of random impetus, which can kind of like shock you out of your, your routine. And by doing random things rather than predictive thing, like predictable things that maybe you can actually take advantage of more of these opportunities that you can't see coming. And maybe you can become somebody who's like kind of accidentally better than, you know, robust. Sure. And so in that way, like we, we've sort of been trying to, we, we've sort of been trying to do, cause like I, we've been doing news actronics for like the past, like, like three going on four years. And, you know, we're starting to get like a little stagnated creatively. And so we've been trying to figure out ways to kind of like just mix things up. Right. And like improve our ability to be creative and get stuff done and, and not get bored. Right. And so this was sort of part of that, like general, like Zactronics anti-fragile strategy, which is like, what if we just fucking made a game in a month, you know? Yeah, totally, totally. And it worked. And yeah, so yeah, I don't know. I, I also shouldn't keep saying it was probably not good to go on pro- pro- podcasts and be like, oh, this game that just left early access that we released is terrible. <laughs> Which, <laughs> obviously, I mean, it's not, it's not terrible. Like, I, I actually really like playing it, which is not true of all of our games. Like, I've, I've had a lot of fun playing it. Um, I, I, and I was thinking about this on the, on the way home. That, like, I, I feel bad about Malex and Tez. And I can't really figure out why. And it's like people like Zaktronics fans like it. People who like not many people have heard of it, but like people who have and have played it, like it's gotten good reviews or whatever. But I, I suspect a lot of it's people who already liked us and liked our games. But like it's not a bad game, but like it's small and it doesn't have all the polish that our games usually have. And like I think because it's small and not like super polished, like a lot of people ignored it. And like even though the game is liked and is fun like nobody's paying attention to it and i'm i'm so used to people paying attention to all of our stuff that i i kind of i feel like a failure <laughs> because it is just by comparison smaller but like we set out to make it small right and i'm like a like if you look at how much money we've made and how much time it took us it's actually doing really well right but like it's still small so in the absolute sense i feel like a failure <laughs> for making something that's not big and it's and i i think that's what that's caused me to be really like harsh on it 
just because it's small. Sure. And like I and I this is actually the funny thing is that this is kind of what it looked like the problem was at Valve, at least when I was there, is that they couldn't make anything because they could only make huge things. Hmm. And so it's like, I want to make a shitty small game. And it's like, no, you can't because it'll look bad because Valve has to make big things. And I was like, this is ridiculous. It's like, no, this is like this is how I'm living my life, apparently. You know, is that like when you when you make something of a certain size, it's really hard to make something smaller. Yeah, but there, but that's incredibly freeing, and it's also like I feel like with the form of games, the last couple of years have seen a lot of stuff that people like, not necessarily being you know twenty to hundred hour epics or whatever, right? Like there's room for small games. A I lot guess. of the, a lot of the stuff that comes across my Twitter feed that people are that people's minds are. I mean, a lot of it's Pokemon or Death Stranding or whatever, but a lot of it is like short games. Like they came a short hike that was like flying around on on itch. Like no one talked about anything else for like three weeks and then it disappeared. Yeah. But it's like well, so a, I'm not talking about short, right? I'm just talking about like people paying attention oh you mean right? you mean small in, in terms of splash yeah, yeah exactly yeah i mean i i guess i i wonder like, well, is actually pretty long because the puzzles are really easy to make i guess yeah. it depends on how much you want to optimize it sure, but sure. it's small as in like irrelevant <laughs> <laughs> well i mean like I, I guess i meant small in the sense that like in terms of all of the things you that i have come to expect out of a Zactronics game right maybe i'm part of the problem because like the world building is something i've come to expect and like you know the visuals in your game even though people don't talk about them the visuals in Zactronics games are really good right oh, yeah. so like it's it's very stripped down but i guess i don't yeah. see that as a bad thing and like the idea of something small and something made quickly being really be, being liked by a smaller group of people in theory shouldn't be a problem, but I totally get how it's like, it, it's really hard to feel like you're moving backwards in any sense. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's gotta be tough. Exactly. Yeah. So that, that's sort of where I'm, and that's, that's, I've been really harsh on the game, even though I actually kind of like it. I really like I, it. I and no, when I, when I, the, the, I, I hope that, that you realize that I really like it a lot. And like the worst thing I've said about it is I didn't like it as much as Opus Magnum, which I like yeah. utterly loved. Like that's, you yeah. Know, Cause everybody did. Right. Cause that's our best selling game. It's yeah. really great. It's, it, it hit, yeah. it ticked all the boxes, but it's also just like, was really inventive. And I think like everybody on the team was firing on all cylinders. The writing's great. It plays great. It looks great. It sounds great. Like all of it, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's, I, I understand that the temptation to just try and make Opus Magnum again has got to be in there somewhere. I don't know that like that, that is oh, a thing no. for you as much <laughs> because you just like every, every cell in your body rebels against it. But that's like yeah. the conventional wisdom is like commercially, that's exactly what you should do is make Opus Magnum yeah. two or something. Yeah. The Opus Magnum. That's how we know what not to do right. is that Opus Magnum was good. So we just need to stay away from that now. <laughs> yeah. It's, but it's I'm like, I don't know, every, everyone to to a person, for whatever it's worth, everyone I've talked to who has played Malik Sintez has said some version of, I'm just glad they're still fucking around and experimenting, you know, because I think yeah. there were... That's not what you want to hear. <laughs> well, a bit, but it's not that, a good thing. Like, it's, oh, I'm glad they're still not dead. No, 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 not that. No, 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 not that they're not dead, but that they're like, so I, I think there was some portion of people who really, really like Zaktronics who, when Eliza came out... I don't think they rationally thought that Zaktronics was now a purveyor of visual novels exclusively, but somewhere in their mm, irrational yeah. brain, they were like, I, I wonder if this is the end of the, the Zaktronics games that mom used to make or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so yeah. I feel like for, for, for that subset of people, which is a significant portion of people who are really passionate about your games, this was like their faith being rewarded. Like, oh, like whatever else is happening. Zactronics yeah. still makes Zactronics y games. And like yeah. even if they're not like the main production of the year, there's still something and it's still interesting and it's still inventive and yeah, it's still for true. me or something. You know? That, that that was that was something I was feeling before we released the game. As soon as we released it and I had to deal with all of our fans, I was like, <laughs> oh, this is you know. It, it, but yeah, no, that was really that was that was I think that was one of the reasons I wanted to do it too. Yeah, definitely. It was just to like to to send a message that like we're still making puzzle games. We haven't stopped. I still like making these. I still really wanted to make one. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, what were you going to say? You, there was, there was something. Oh, the just that we were, we were talking about Eliza too. And it's, I like Eliza didn't sell a ton of copies. Malex and Tess didn't sell a ton of copies. And then we're working on a game that's not like Opus Magnum too. You know, and can so you, so so totally cool. If you if you don't want to talk about it, or even cut me asking you about it. But can you talk at all about untitled upcoming uh, untitled Zectronics game? I don't I don't know what the upside is to talking about it. That's now. fair. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I was going to say in the grand tradition of Zectronics games, just coming out with no fan with you know no. Yeah. Uh, well, that's hype. not maybe not the best strategy either. We I we're, that's something we're trying to figure out, right? Everybody always says you have to announce your game like years in advance and be like actively developing it on Twitter in front of everybody. But like, uh, we don't really do that. Um, well, no, no one, there's no one whose job it is to, to be the hype person or the social media person at Zachtronics, is there? Well, that's me, but <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure. Well, I mean, who's right. primary I'm job? I'm the hype person. <laughs> I mean, I get hyped, but I'm, I'm a nerd and yeah. I'm hyped by different things than other people. I, I, you know, I don't really do that because we make stuff that like in the scheme of things, no one wants, right? <laughs> like no one asks for a Zachtronics game. They just get them and like people find that they like them. But like, this isn't like people aren't clamoring for the kind of stuff we want to make just in general. Right. Like nobody was asking for Opus Magnum before it came out. Right. People liked it, but like no one asked for it. Right. Versus like people will be asking for another Pokemon game or Half-Life 3 or whatever. Right. Sure. Like we kind of don't make the stuff that people like get hyped about. And so I, I think like in the past we, we tried to get people hyped up about our stuff and then just got burned when nobody paid attention. And like that's super demoralizing. And like totally. you can avoid that by just not talking about your game until it's basically done. Right. Because then you can at least put off knowing whether people give a shit about you or not. Like <laughs> which is maybe like a bad. I Like you can make the argument that like if you float your game idea out there, you can find out whether it's a good idea or not. But like, we don't want to stop. I don't want to stop working on something because like people on Twitter didn't respond to it. Yeah, right. Cause there's, I, there's oh, no like, universe in which you're going to rewrite the design document or whatever, because people said, Oh, I really wish it were about a, an elephant or whatever. Like I, even if people seem like bored by it or yeah, whatever, like, sure. I don't know. Like you can't, like you can't design it something. You can't make good things by like committee or by like, like uh, what do you call it? Like when you, when you bring out like a focus group mm-hmm. and stuff like that, like that's not how you make good stuff. You just have to do your thing and then just like cross your fingers what I mean, I, for whatever it's worth, I think everything you've ever put out has been fucking good. I mean, like, I, you know, I, it's me, the Ironclad Tactics Defender. What's up? Mm, um, yeah, yeah. It's a good game. It's like, yeah. you, I, I think you have made the argument, and I think it's a fair argument, that it's not what people wanted from you, and it's maybe not what people wanted, period, at least not at that moment, when it was yeah. important for you that people want it. But, like... Zactronics doesn't put out schlock and like we've only we've only really alluded to it in this episode I'll link people to the episode where Matthew came on and talked about Eliza but Eliza was really fucking good it was like it, it couldn't have been more different in terms of gameplay from a Zactronics game but it shared all these thematic and tonal preoccupations it was it was anxious about all the same things that Zactronics games tend to be anxious about in terms of like work and the value of work and when you keep doing something because you're good at it and because you just have to regardless of the consequences but then how much are you actually involved with the consequences all that stuff was there it was a Zactronics game and it was it came from a completely different angle but it's good as hell I mean you make good as hell stuff yeah I I I agree I I think we make good games but it's just I I guess that's we were talking about like success and what makes like a game successful and the nihilism of making games is that like I if you so I I went I went to a, a conference and I was I was on a panel about games and the theme for it was like a non games conference so i was on the games i was the token games developer there and uh and the topic of the panel ended up being like success and failure in games 
And like I was trying to prepare for this panel and I was like racking my brain and I talked to like everybody I, I talked to about like my work stuff. Like everybody at Zectronics. And I was like, like, what the fuck does that even mean? Like success and failure in games, right? And like I if it means like commercially or career wise, then if it were I, if it were if it the was, kind of failure they're going for, you wouldn't be there to talk about it. Like did they mean it was like stuff? all of the above? Okay, okay. It was all of them. I, I was like, what I mean, like what I so I asked the person who's organizing the panel and uh, I was like, what do you mean? Like what like do you mean like financial success or artistic success or like uh, commercial or like just all these? And they're like, yes. Oh man. And I'm just like, what? That's not an answer. But it actually like it ended up being good because we just talked about like success and failure in general, right? And I and I, I spent some time thinking about this and talking to all my friends about it. And it's just like, oh god, like like success and fail success and failure don't like exist. Hmm. Like like there's it doesn't mean anything. Right. right. Like it's just like a it's it's like a proxy for like a lot of different concepts. Right. Like sometimes success just means like satisfaction or like self-esteem or money. But like it doesn't really mean anything like in general. Yeah. No one ever gets declared the winner of making art. Like that's not really. How it works. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But it's crazy that that would be like a thing like. Like that people would just be like, oh, this is a perfectly reasonable topic. Right. Like success and failure in art, <laughs> sure. you know? Yeah. yeah. Like. Success and failure in painting, like, <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. like we'll check in crazy. with this panel in a thousand years when we, when yeah. we yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, and I just I hadn't really thought about it before. It ended up being a great panel, and um, but just because it's just like no, like I don't even like that doesn't even mean anything. Like there there is no there's no such thing as success and failure anymore. Yeah. And so I guess that's what I'm trying to wrap my head around now. Is like no, for what, sure. Where do you go? When like that's <laughs> when when you don't like ma- when you don't like playing games and you don't care about success or failure because you don't even know what it means like like what do you even do like that's I wish I knew well you're I mean yeah you're definitely not the kind of like there are people who come on this podcast and talk about like their you know the, the games that make them feel passionate about making games or whatever and I, I don't I don't mean this in any kind of negative way but that's not really what gets you going right like it isn't yeah. a question of like I played a game and I wanted to create the feeling that this game gave me or whatever you just like yeah. you have yeah. the specific <laughs> thing that you're incredibly good at making and that you like can't stop making so yeah. you make it right and like maybe the drug connection is like the fantasy of the thing you're compelled to make being something there's like an inexhaustible demand for you know what I mean like that's that's yeah. why drugs are like economically interesting and narratively seductive yeah yeah that's interesting yeah. yeah, I don't know. And just the yeah, just the compulsion. I I the I like to some degree I am addicted to making games, right? Like and that it like it is super compulsive and it uh it leaves me emotionally savaged, you know, like ravaged by by this like addiction that I have, right? And like just like kind of like looking at it that way and learning to deal with it has been helpful, I guess. So I, I, I yeah, that, that also resonates with the, the yeah. drug thing. Well, I mean, Matthew talked about how like the thing that uh, Eliza brought to the table very specifically thematically was the idea of having hustled earlier in life and then being a little bit older and thinking, well, like what, what was that for exactly? Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. Like that very, that, that feeling, it's not a midlife crisis. It's like too early for that. And it's not coming of age because <laughs> it's too late for that. It's something else that there isn't a whole lot of fiction about. But it's yeah. like, that's sort of what you're describing, right? Like, like every definition you can come up with for success or failure isn't that useful to you. So then why, in fact, are you getting out of bed in the morning? Like you're doing it. It's not even yeah. necessarily that you're depressive or having a hard time doing it. But when yeah. you take a step back, you're actually not sure why you're doing it or what's what's keeping yeah. you in motion. Yeah, that's yeah. I for a while, I thought I was depressed. But then it's like, no, if you if you just keep getting out of bed and keep doing everything and it doesn't impede you in any way, you're like, by definition, not depressed. Right. 
and it's like oh i'm just an asshole like (laughs) (laughs) yeah i don't know like it's yeah it turns out i'm just like clinically an asshole and um yeah i don't yeah i don't know right and i I think it really is like the best answer i have is just like the compulsion like i just i have to i compulsively have to make games like that's it like that's it like at at this point like that really is it like i i yeah Yeah, I mean, you know, and like, I, there's a certain, I don't know, it, it sounds a little too simple, but if you, if you, enjoy, like, I don't know, it's a disorder if you don't enjoy making them, right? If you have to, it's the same thing as the depression, right? If you're, yeah, as soon not, as you I, actually can't get out of bed, that's a disorder. As soon as you have to yeah. make games, but making games just makes you miserable, that's a disorder. But I don't think yeah. that's where you're at. I think it's like, you know, you don't, nec- you don't think you have a higher calling, but you just keep making the thing that you make and that you, and people keep playing it. Like, I, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it makes me unhappy sometimes and it makes me like satisfied sometimes. Like, I mean, drugs make you happy sometimes. Yeah, right? totally. So that's not even, that's key you can't to even drugs. say with drugs. It's just like, well, if you, if you enjoy doing drugs, then like, it's not a problem. It's like, no, I actually don't think that's the definition of it being a problem. No, not a bit. I mean, like I'm, you know, and I'm wading into controversial territory. I'm aware in some circles, but like, there are also lots of people who do too many drugs who are not drug addicts. Like there is this weird gray oh, yeah, space yeah. in between, you know, same goes for alcohol. And it's like they're you're totally right. The question is not are do you enjoy it ever? You certainly do. People enjoy abusive relationships sometimes. It, it, if it yeah. weren't nice sometimes, it wouldn't be able to continue, right? The question yeah. is like if you are able to take a step back, which can be really hard to do, is the effect on your life positive? And is it stopping you from doing other stuff you'd rather be doing or that you need to be doing? That's like the yeah. clinical question. And this is Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's like, no, I, I'm able to I'm able to deal. So yeah. <laughs> you're able to deal and you're able to produce i mean because again like yeah it's i would highly recommend anybody who's into your games check out malik Sintez because like is as a formal experiment in like how how quick can you make this kind of zatronics game it's like a totally successful experiment it's interesting in its own right like all your games it has this like sense of place i think you're totally right that the sound design is great it's a good game like i i was i was engaging with you about the the ways in which it's not my favorite Zachtronics game because that's where you went. But I'm also keenly aware, and I think I said this up front, you think all your games are bad, at least while they're fresh in your head. Um, yeah. Or maybe forever. I don't know. You called <laughs> your, your 10 years of terrible games talk, notwithstanding, whatever. But the fact oh, is your games A lot of those are... were really bad. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah, you've just proven your point. Yeah. Gotcha. I wasn't trying to like trap you in a thing. Yeah. I was just like, it's, you know, like you are self-critical in a way that I think like, it's like propulsive. It's like you, you have to keep making the next thing. So you're not going to just navel gaze about the last thing. Yeah. Or we'll, we'll, we'll analyze, we'll scrutinize it to death. Yeah, for sure. We, and uh, we've actually gotten to the point where it's just like, we just have to stop scrutinizing things because we're not learning anything. <laughs> we've spent so many, <clears throat> every day we go for walks and we talk about stuff at work. So every day I go for a walk with Keith and we talk about like games and what we're working on and, and what we think. And we've spent way too many walks trying to analyze like other people's games and like what's going on. And like, after, it, it's been like hundreds of hours of walking and talking about games and what we do. And like the best conclusion we have now is just like, none of that mattered. Like, we didn't learn anything. We didn't learn a single goddamn thing from, like, just, like, years and years of going for walks and trying to analyze what what is going on. Like, we didn't learn anything. All the things we've done that are good were on instinct. This is another point from that anti-fragile book, which is that instinct is severely underrated in this, like, scientific age we live in. Hmm. But, like, we, we haven't learned a single goddamn thing. And it's like, what do you, what do, you do? It's like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> Is there an whatever. argument to be made that you, like that helped like you were training your instincts. You were getting rid of all the bad ideas so that the good ones had the chance. To no, in- I don't think we learned anything hmm. like you, you could like at all. Right. It's sure. like, why is, why is what, why, how do you make like you there, there's, 
there's some article I read. It was about how like you shouldn't give people like like the, the common thing like now is to give people feedback and say like these are the things you're bad at. But like there's evidence that maybe you shouldn't do that like in a professional setting. Mm-hmm. And maybe you shouldn't do that because people don't actually get better at the things they're bad at. They usually get better at the things they're good at. Mm-hmm. Right. And so you'd probably be better off just like whenever somebody does something good, say, yes, do more of that thing you just did rather than trying to help them like correct the things they're bad at. Sure. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, that goes into the broader sense that just like in general punishment doesn't work that well, at least not on its own. It's not even punishment, but just that like fail. You can't like studying failure does not teach you how to be successful. Sure. Totally. Right. And so I I sort of don't know if studying success actually makes you successful either. (laughs) And that's sort of the point we came to because like success is all about like seizing the moment. Right. And how on earth does like watching how somebody else seized a different moment that has passed, like how is that going to help you seize the moment? Like in all these cases, you just have to be a quick thinker and you have to see the moment coming. And it's like the moment is different, which is why it's not just like a repeat. This is why we're talking about seizing the moment. Like seizing the moment wouldn't be important if all the moments were the same and you could just learn how to recognize them. Like that's just not like... That's just existing. For you to have right? a relevant sample size, time would have to be circular or something. Like you would need yeah, to be. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And like, uh, you know, and like people say history repeats itself. It's like, no, it doesn't. Like if history repeated itself, then we wouldn't have these problems. Like history does not repeat itself. And like moments are are fleeting. And like the, the whoever is like lucky, like you have to be like lucky and quick and like all of these things. And it's just like, it's like studying stuff doesn't really like some, I just, I don't know. I, I, at least in games, it doesn't seem like it helps a ton. Um, and well, it's so hard in games to like even attribute, like in, in life to attribute, like why did, you know, why did something happen? Like, I don't even like, I don't know. This is like, this is really vague. <laughs> it's an interesting thing to hear from someone who is as dedicated as you are to primary research, right? That like studying things is maybe not useful. You just mean like trying to copy someone's success or intent is not that useful. But... I guess trying trying to learn what to do by looking at what other people did. Sure, sure, sure. Knowing how something was or how something is, that is a valid use of research. But trying to understand why a thing happened is is a bit more of a sucker's bet. Maybe, I don't know. I mean, maybe that's how, well, so I'm also like a huge contrarian, right? Mm. So like there's lots of people who look at games that are successful and then make games that use those things that are successful. And it's unclear. And some people, we should say, do succeed doing that. Like Dead Cells is always a high profile example. Those were talented game developers who said, what do people like Metroidvanias and roguelikes? Okay, let's make a Metroidvania roguelike. And they just did it well enough that it worked. And, but I'm sure like they liked it also, right? Like they, I, and that's, that's one thing we, we sort of, our, our theory in the office is that like lots of people make stuff that's eerily similar to other games, but we believe that they actually really like those things. Like yeah. I, 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 I if, I, if I'm speaking out of school, I'll correct myself, but I believe they said in interviews that like, yeah, these were never our favorite genres. Like we liked them fine, but oh, like, we wouldn't have done no, it if the market hadn't been asking for it, which is why I think okay. it's an interesting case. Cause oh, I think that's even darker. I think you're right <laughs> that that's not normal though. I think most people you're totally right are, are going to go for something that gets them yeah. off to make it you so know, I, not highbrow. Yeah. So either way, like I don't like what other people like <laughs> sure. and I, I don't want to make what other people like just cause they like it. We've tried that. You know, that was Project Typhoon where we tried to make like a Terraria like game with submarines and we got like a month into it. I'm just like, I don't give a shit about this game. I'm not interested because this is dumb and making like like punching rocks to make dumb rock shit like I just I'm not going to waste my life on that. So, yeah, so like I, I can't you know, I can't make stuff just because it seems like the right idea and so maybe if i was the type of person that could studying other what other people have done i could just copy them and be successful but i don't i mean i think that's generally like when we think about people who are successful it's not that they copied people 
right? It's that people who are successful are usually clever, right? And they, they figured something out. Like when it comes to people who like invent things, right? Like successful inventors, you know, like, or they, they copy the right stuff. I don't know. Like it's, fuck, I, who cares? Like this is, we're talking about success and failure, right? There's no point in talking about well, success so, exactly. and failure. There's, there's no point like, in talking about success and failure, but there is a point in talking about how you make a good shit. I think like that is interesting. Yeah. But, the way but, I make good shit is I research stuff, not so I can learn from it, but just so I can get more ideas because I'm old and running out of ideas. <laughs> yeah. And this has been. This has been sort of like another one of our little theories recently is just like, we don't know what to make. We've made so many games that like, like, like Space Chem was just like, what if we made a game? Here's some game mechanics that seem interesting. Like we've made like just like over 10 commercial, like 10 commercial games now or nine or something. I've made too many games. I can't just think about stuff in terms of mechanics. I need something to like latch on to. And so for us lately, it's just been like, like we have to make a game that's about like blank real life topic. Right. Like Shenzhen IO was just like, we have to make a game about like the design of like circuits and manufacturing in China contemporarily in, you know, in, in Shenzhen. Right. And we just knew that the game was about that. And then we just built a game that was about that. And it wasn't like, oh, like what's popular now or what would make this a good game? It's just like, no, we know what the game is about. Like, how do we make a game that's about that? Like Malexentes was like maybe a bad version of that, you know, because you just you, you want to make a game about drugs. Exactly. Opus Magnum was like that. It was like, we want to make a game that's like the Codex, the game that I made before. It's about alchemy. It's really about alchemy. Like, go, let's make that game. I guess like that kind of came with a set of mechanics because it came from the Codex. But just in general, like all the stuff, like the stuff we're working on now that I don't want to talk about. Like, that's just like, this game is about this thing that we've researched the shit out of, you know, just because we need something to like latch on to. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I don't know, but I don't even know if that's. I wouldn't advise other people to do that. Right? No, no, like, I, I don't. I don't think it sounds like advice. I this think is how I cope. What you're <laughs> coping. What, what you're what you're saying is very specifically. You you have examined the conventional wisdom and you have found it wanting for you, so you have a different way of doing things. I think anyone who hears that as advice is is the the point yeah. has sailed right past them. I think. Yeah. 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 I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Yep. That sounds about right. <laughs> I'll let sure. that be the way that is. That's fair enough. That's fair enough. No, I, I know what you're saying, though, because I mean, like, even over and above, there's a certain uh, breed of, I guess I would say charlatan, who, who who thinks they can bottle success for you or like consult on exactly how to make your thing. Yeah. Per- like you pay them a bunch of money and they give you the perfect marketing campaign, whatever. Like yeah. that, that stuff, I guess, can can work for a certain definition of working. But if we're talking about success in any way other than like immediate commercial success, if we're talking about something staying and, and meaning something to people and whatever, I don't think that's how you make something that stays that that like resonates for lack of a better term because yeah. that there is a distinction to be made there right like you're saying like people don't succeed by copying I think you can maybe succeed well, for a day by you copying can. Fortnite yeah. did right like sure. <laughs> sure Fortnite copied and then just made it free right you know right. I don't know so you can like there's not there are no rules yeah, yeah. right there are no rules Fortnite's an no interesting rules. case because they took something and they made they they took a thing that was interesting but janky and they removed the jank but also arguably the substance like it like it's an interesting case it's not a straight copy as the, i mean because there were tons of straight copies of PUBG like floating around the app store or whatever and they didn't take off the yeah. way Fortnite did um Fortnite of course is like i mean people people have talked about this in more detail than than we need to hear but like it's barely a game right like it's a storefront with a game sort of soldered onto it to make you want to use the storefront i I don't know. That's just like that. That's 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 the way it's described by people who wish they had more money. That's true too. Right? That's I, it's, I, a, I, it's a beautiful success of capitalism and game design. I think just both like, can be true. Pounding <laughs> it out, 
together. Like, sure, sure. You're you're right. You're right. I don't mean to be disingenuous because obviously lots of people play it. And I'm being disingenuous. <laughs> I, don't, I think it's a piece of shit, right? But like, I, you have to at the same time. Like, they make a lot of money off. Like, I don't even like nothing matters, man. Like, I don't. <laughs> there's no meaning in any of this. Sure. I mean, you know, literal, literal meaning the words we're, we're making, the, the sounds we're making and forming words with like mean something to somebody. But it's like, I mean, like, I, know, I know what you're saying. You're saying there isn't like a grand project. I think like people, people can yeah. talk about art sometimes as though it's capital M modernist, like we're heading towards some telios or something like there's like a, oh, yeah, a grand yeah. human project. And I think that is generally speaking bullshit. But yeah. I also, I also think that it's a mistake to think if we don't have that, then we don't have meaning and it's all pointless. You know, like I think, I think, I don't know, man, like, like the work that Zachtronics has put out has meant stuff to me, has like helped me through bad days and, and made my brain feel good. And, and I don't know, like, like, I don't think those are unimportant things. I think it's more than distraction. I think distraction's fine, but I do think what you make is more than that. And I'll, and I'll, I'll take you to task on that. I think they're good distractions. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's all I'm saying in a certain sense, yeah. right? Like maybe, maybe we're splitting hairs that, that, um, you know, if, if I'm stimulating my, my brain chemistry in, in a way that feels good to me, it's just I'm being distracted well. That's possible. And maybe it's not that different from the, the tens of millions of other entertainments that I also have access to. But, you know, you make a drug that works for people. And yeah. uh, and I think you I think you make it uh, I think you make it ethically. I think that doesn't that doesn't not matter was what I was going to say. Yeah. Yeah. I, there's there's lots of. Yeah. I think that's that's a good way to live life is like to, to do do less harm. Right. That's, yeah. Yeah. It's maybe a thing to live by. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's bad to think about meaning and games like together. You just really, really quickly bottom out on nihilism and then it's, it's not, it's not good. These are things that are better not. So maybe some things are better not to think about. Sure. I mean, that's, that's almost, cer- <laughs> that's almost certainly true, but I don't know how to do that. And I, I get the feeling you're kind of the same, but. Well, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's, I don't know. Like I, I know people who are capable of doing that. Like, okay. So I think about this in terms of the way people interact with entertainment, like I'll watch a movie or whatever, and I'll have all these thoughts about it and I'll be to a certain degree dissecting it, whatever, getting something out of it. And I have a couple of friends who can just sort of enjoy it. Like, like, oh yeah. In a very simple way. Like, and I, I don't, I, I truly do not mean that pejoratively. Like they can just like approach art on its own terms instead of dissecting it in their heads or trying to think about why it worked, if it worked or why it didn't, if it didn't, I can't do that. Yeah. I think, you know, I, I think different people, you know, process stuff differently. I think maybe your stuff is definitively more for people who are overthinking it. And I don't think that's a bad thing. In any I don't way, think so. No, you don't I think, think so? All of our, no, I, I think the people who really enjoy our games, like are just like they, one of the, one of the traits that's always remarkable to me of our players is that they just accept it as it is. And then they just beat the shit out of it. Hmm. Right. Sure. And there's yeah, a kind yeah. of like, you can't, you can't play our games and do well if you think it ought to be something different. Right. Mm. And I think this is just like a, a character trait that I'm fascinated with is, is people who can just take something as it is and just like really just say like, OK, these are all the ways it works. I'm going to exploit all of the ways that it works to make it do like the best. Right. And it's very much I I, I guess I'm more of a person who has like a, a sense of how things ought to be. Right. And I, sure. I try in life to not be like that. Right. Because I know that that like you're just going to be disappointed if you have all these expectations about life. But like deep down inside, like I don't want to make the fastest electronic solution. I want to make one that's like the way I think it ought to be. Mm-hmm. We talked about this way back when Infinifactory came out that like oh, yeah. you, you and I are Giant you and I both tend toward beautiful <laughs> Zen garden, <laughs> like waterfalls yeah. and things. Yeah. 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 And so I, I think that's an interesting trait. So I think a lot of people play our games like they're not thinking about it too much. 
like they're just totally accepting it as it is and then just like min-maxing the shit out of it and they're not thinking about whether it ought to work that way you know or if they are it's in like a different level that's like really practical about stuff being inconsistent but even then like they'll they'll take it something our best players will take anything we throw at them and then just optimize it ruthlessly sure but I, so that's interesting. I'd never occurred to me that there was an equivalence between people who, are, you know, take mechanics on their own terms and someone who take someone who takes like, say, the narrative in a movie on its own terms. But those are very similar ways of engaging, just like letting yeah. like being subsumed by it as it presents itself. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think that's I, probably true. One of the guys that we used to work with, at, like at Microsoft and then Zytronics, like he's a programmer and he he has this trait where he loves every movie and like. He loves every movie, like genuine, like some of them he likes more than others, but like he doesn't hate movies. He likes them all. And like, like kind of like you could say uncritically, but I don't think that's fair. Right. He just really is like totally down with all of them. Right. And he's also a really good programmer because he's just able to accept mm. things the way they are and like deal with it. You know, he, he was able to write C++ and he likes C++, you know, or when he was writing it at Microsoft, I would constantly chafe against it because it's just like this language is garbage <laughs> and I don't want to do this because I don't think it should be like this. Right. Like there's a there's a kind of like, yeah, just like accepting things as they are. Yeah, I mean, that's a, you know, there's, I mean, we're, we're getting like into like philosophy with a capital P, I guess, at this point, right? But like, that's, that's an alternative denialism is like, <laughs> is like stoicism. That's just like, things are the way they are. And that's that, <laughs> like accepting it is a virtue or, or like yeah. making it work as best you can or accepting your place in it is a virtue. That's yeah. Cause I, cause I, I know, yeah. I know what you're saying. Like where, when you start thinking about meaning and any kind of art next to each other and you start thinking, right. But like, but compared to meaning, meaning compared, compared to what is capital T true, how can any of this shit mean anything? Your brain starts reeling and you, you go down the crazy rabbit hole that you did right at the yeah. top of this interview where it's like, you know, well, this game, we made it quickly and it hasn't resonated as much as I wanted it to. Therefore the universe means nothing. And what am I, even, <laughs> what am I even doing? And <laughs> it's a vast empty void. Yeah. That's a hell of a leap, but I totally, like I you know I'd be lying if I said you have to draw me a map to explain how you get there you know my favorite character in Eliza is the first guy the first therapy patient I love that character because it's just like oh that's so me like on a bad day it's just like complaining about normal stuff and then just deep dive into like nothing matters you know and it's so when I when I first read that character I thought that Matthew was like stealing character traits from me you know or something i think like when you're friends with a writer you're always like suspicious that they're trying to write you into their stuff oh for sure you know and so like when i read that i was just like this is me to a t and it's like oh no this is probably lots of people <laughs> this is just what a depressed person sounds like <laughs> was that how you thought you might be depressed was it like because i'm i'm just I'm oh no that's just this a long standing yeah okay. that's, that's a, that's a, a many, like, okay. many years of yeah sure sure yeah, clinical asshole. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's technically. I mean, I'm not a doctor. Maybe that's a diagnosis. I haven't read the new DSM, but yeah, <laughs> um, it's, the, it's the preeminent disease of our age. Maybe I don't know. But, yeah, it's certainly uh, one of them. <laughs> well, because it's um, you know, it's it's an anti-fragile condition. <laughs> like it, it's self-reinforcing when it gets pushed back against. But yeah, yeah, cool. That was that we ran through my list of formal questions. Yeah. We can I I can I can bullshit with you forever, but if you if you're good you're and you don't have anything else. Soon. Yeah, that's I, cool. I, I feel bad we didn't talk about games, I don't think at any point in this. <laughs> <laughs> we talked about your games. Kind of. <laughs> Were there other, <laughs> I mean, we talked about the design of it. We talked about We did like it's it's funny. We we talked less than we usually do. I guess I can say that you've been on enough times that there is a usually about yeah. like the nuts and bolts of like what you're doing moment to moment, you know, like yeah. what, what actually is happening on that hex grid and stuff. But yeah. you know, people will see that if they play the game, like it's, yeah. it's, it's all right there, you know, like even more than most Actronics games, like you said, you have 
pretty much all the parts pretty much right away or like all the parts pretty much right away. So it's like, it's all right there in front of you. And then it's just a question of figuring out what to do with the tools or or the toys in your box. Our, our next game is more of a game. And so we'll have plenty of game stuff to talk about there. (laughs) It'll be a much game game design. Yeah. Much game your game. Yeah. All right. Well, I look forward to it, but I look forward to every, well, I I look forward to everything you put out to whatever degree it's possible to look forward to something that's never announced. Uh, But, but now the people don't know anything about it, but they know it exists so they can look forward to it too. Yeah, exactly. But that's always true. Generally, like we're always working on something. That's true. That's true. I think, well, and, and again, like I think, I think, um, I think maybe there's a few people who irrationally stopped believing that about you and who now believe it again. So that's if Molex and Tez did nothing else, it certainly did that. And it, I think it did plenty else. It's pretty yeah. cool. When we were writing the announced tweet, like one of the first one that Matthew wrote, which I don't think we ended up using, was just like, you thought we were done making puzzle games. Well, fuck you. Here's a puzzle game or something like that. And I was like, I don't know if I want to. I guess it wasn't that strong, but I was like, let's just say that we have a new game out. Yeah, yeah. Because if anyone wasn't thinking, like you wouldn't wouldn't want to plant the idea in their head that like it is, oh man, is it, were they considering not making puzzle games anymore? That that wouldn't be good. Let's just release it and be nice. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And it's, yeah. So, so recommended for everybody. I'll link to that. I'll link to the whole Ovula and I'll link to the, the ambient track and all that stuff. And thank you again for doing this. I, I had a blast. I hope you did too. Yep. So yeah. And that's the show. Molex Sintez is out now, like out, out on Steam, and you can see everything Zaktronics has made, though not what they're currently making, at Zaktronics.com. The Everybody's Talking at Once podcast is hosted and produced by me, Drew Messenger Michaels, with support even across oceans from Francis Michelle Lopez and Lucio Valentino. Our logo is by Aaron Perry Zucker using icons from The Noun Project, and you can find the show on Apple, Stitcher, Google, Spotify, Pocket Casts, Overcast, Breaker, Radio Public, and deep in the molecular structure of your drug of choice or at etaopod.com.